right, everybody. Thanks for being here tonight. Being a man is a hard thing. Sometimes when you're with a woman. But uh, there's a lot to learn about that. Um, but think about it. What does it mean to be a man of God? That's, uh, that's the question of the night. And a journey for us, you know, we all grow up, a lot of us, with a basic spirit of dishonesty. And it's hard to get rid of that. It's hard to get rid of all the different things that you grow up with that cause damage in your life. And it's also hard to admit it because of all the different deceptions on how to deal with all the damage that comes in life. But you're not really safe until you're not damaged. And if you want God to use you, you just have to let him heal you. You have to let God enter those parts of your life where you have gotten hard and put on a shell to protect yourself from the world so that it doesn't repeat again what happened. So we go to places like not caring, it doesn't matter, whatever. And in other words, other language that I can't say, you know, from here. But, um, but so I want to talk to you about that tonight and, and minister to you as well. Uh, men can change a city. Mighty men of God can change a state. And the super mighty warriors of God can change the world. Praise the Lord. If you have any idea in your mind that you're just an average person and your, your job is to sleep, eat, watch TV, and go to work, then you're already deceived because you are supposed to be a weapon in the hands of God. There is something about you as an individual that nobody else has. I don't know what it is, but I do know last week I was talking to the Lord and he said to me, he said, Ivan, every person, the real you is, is you before you got damaged as a child. And when you look at children that are undamaged, you see how free they are and how loving they are and, and how they don't have any walls up or idiosyncrasies or insecurities or they don't have a scowl on their face or frowns or they don't, or they're not afraid of being judged or they're not afraid of being rejected or they're not afraid of being, you know, perceived in some weird way. All of that is gone because there's no damage. And so every part of you that's damaged is a lost opportunity for God to be able to use you to do something great in somebody's life. And so God is constantly working on us to develop in us that same pure spirit and that innocence so that we are men of courage and we are not cowards. Praise the Lord. A coward is not good in war. The last thing you want is to be standing next to a coward. They're going to run when they should be fighting. And they're going to hide when they should be charging. And in Christianity, it's no different. There is a cowardice that comes sometimes on men because they don't have confidence in the moving of the Holy Spirit through their own life or they're guilty, or they feel ashamed for something they're doing when no one is watching. All of this steals your ability to be totally used the way God wants to use you. You were born to be great. And it doesn't matter who your mom or dad are. It doesn't matter where you were born, and certainly doesn't matter what color you are. It just matters that you belong to God. What is a man of God? So I want to kind of break bread on that tonight and minister to you and, and see what comes out of it and see what the Lord will do. Praise the Lord. Because honestly, if the men do not rise up in this season we're in, in this time we're in, uh, there are a lot of places that are going to be run over by Satan. Satan is going to run over the body of Christ, if the men do not rise up. That's our job. We're the protectors. And we're supposed to protect our family and also protect our church, our churches, our country, and our lives. Praise the Lord. So I'd like you to look at somebody next to you 
and say these words. Just look at them and say, I'd like you to pay me the money you owe me because I'm not going to get anything out of this kind of preaching. I need my money. That's really all I came here for. I need that $127 right now. I don't belong in this church. So you have a, a testimony, you have a journey, each one of you, and a lot of things are left undone in our lives. Men are, are men that are, most men are not completed, they're not complete. A lot of areas of our lives are left untouched because we learn how to hide from a very early age. We learn how to talk to people so we are perceived in a certain way and when it comes to God, you really can't be what God wants you to be until you expose everything to God. You literally have to just lay it out on the table. Second Chronicles 69, I think they're going to put those up there, yeah. But it basically says, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth looking for somebody whose heart is perfect towards the Lord. One of the things that we don't do well as men is manage our heart very well. Think about how often you have been mad at somebody and how long you were mad at them before you ever told them if you ever told them. We don't manage our heart well. The Bible says out of the heart flow the issues of life. It also says in Jeremiah that the heart is desperately wicked and who can know it? So the first item of a man of God is to have a right heart towards God. David, the Bible says, was a man after God's heart. He saw the heart of God and said, I'm going to go after that, and I want to have that heart like that. So the word perfect there, it means just right with God. You don't have to be perfect in everything you do, but you have to have a heart that is right with God. The best test of how to know if your heart is right with God is how high your anger levels are. If you get angry quickly, you, your heart is wrong. If you get offended easily, your heart is wrong. If you don't want to talk to a certain person in church, your heart is wrong. If there's a relative you never want to see again and it wouldn't bother you if they dropped dead, your heart is not right with God. If you get offended when pastor talks about tithing, your heart is not right with God. If you're mad because your wife catches you all the time having gas in the house, and if you, even when you don't have it, she smells things and blames you for the smell, and you're mad at her on the inside, but you don't tell her, your heart is not right towards the Lord. If you still are having to forgive your father after all these years that you've lived, your heart is not right with God. If we do not manage our heart, then we can't go forward as a man of God. It is the very first thing that God does surgery on. I remember when I got saved, the very first thing was my hatred towards my father. And for three hours, I was sitting under a tree, weeping as the love of God was flowing through my body. And I remember seeing pictures of my father in my mind. You cannot be a man of God if your heart does not belong to God. You can't achieve what God wants you to achieve if your heart is not right towards everybody on planet Earth. This includes politicians. Praise the Lord. So it looks like we hit something on the politician issue and uh, we may sit there and dwell a little bit. But think about it. There's always somebody somewhere that you can have your heart upset at. The second way you judge about the condition of your heart is if you're continually complaining. So you need to not be a complainer. People that are right with God and their heart is right with God, they don't mess with complaining because complaining is how we tell God that we, are, we do not trust his plan for our life. Thanksgiving and gratitude is how you keep your heart right. You say, thank you, Jesus, that I have a life. Thank God that I have a job. Thank God that I have a wife. Thank God that I have children. 
Thank God that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Thank God that I'm headed towards the promised land. Thank God that I have been forgiven, I have been saved, I have been delivered, and I'm baptized in the Holy Ghost. Thank God that good things are headed my way. The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. Praise God. Look at two people and say, I don't know about you. But I feel that you are going to pay my house off tomorrow. On Monday, you're going to go to the bank and you're going to pay off my house because God is going to speak to you in a dream and say, pay off his house. So first of all, check your heart every day, all day. Make sure your heart is right towards God. Because remember how easy it can get out of whack. Some people are mad at God because he won't bless them while they smoke pot. Some people are mad at God because they can't have more than one wife without going to hell. Some people are mad at God for many different reasons. And today... We want to be men of God. So a man of God, he just gets his heart right. He says, you know, I really don't like that person, dear Lord. I kind of really don't like them. So I'm going to get on my knees and you help me like them because I don't like them. I can be religious and say I love them, but I don't like them. I don't enjoy being near them. And that's something bad in my heart towards them. And I need my heart to be right towards God. Praise the Lord. Every day, this is going to happen to you over and over again. You don't want to come home in a bad mood, in a bad attitude, because you're going to spread that all over the house. So the second thing, and you can find this in Luke 22, 42 through 43, that a man of God never lets his will fall back into his own hands. Men of God take their will and surrender it to God every day, and they do it in every situation. On the several occasions that I asked God permission to knock someone out, as a preacher, I said, dear Lord, I would like your permission to knock this man out. I will do it quickly and efficiently and painlessly. And I went to the Lord about it. I said, Lord, I think I'm in heresy right now, but I'm going to ask you for permission. Heaven was silent. So I said, okay, here's my will. What do you want me to do? These are the kinds of things that you are going to face as a man, is that obeying when you don't want to is the truest, purest form of worship for a man. You obeying God when you don't want to obey him and giving God your will when you don't want to give him your will, this is what men of God do. This is why men of God last and last and last and last and last. You will not find them being victims. You will not find them being uh, casualties. Men of God say, not my will, Lord. What do you want me to do in this situation? I'll do whatever you tell me. And they hand their will over. They give their will over to God and say, this is not what I want to do, God, but I know it is what you want me to do, so I'm going to do it because I am your son. You are my father, and I'm going to do it. Praise the Lord. Look at two or three people and say, not your will, but my will be done. Pay off my car right now in the name of the Lord, God. I got a prophecy for you right there. I got a prophetic word. I do have a prophetic word, however, for my brother right here. Chad, is that right? Chad? Brother Chad, so I have this word for you. Psalm 1, 2, and 3. His delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law, he'll meditate day and night. He'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. He'll bring forth his fruit in his season. 
and his leaf shall not wither. There's like six blessings right there that you're about to inherit. Joshua 1.8 says, let not the book of the law depart out of your mouth. Meditate in it day and night. Be careful to do everything that's written therein. Then you'll find success and supernatural prosperity. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. My word which goes out of my mouth shall not return back unto me until it has accomplished what I have sent it to do on your behalf. Jeremiah 1, 12. I'm watching over my word to bring it to pass. Those promises which I have given you those things which I have told you I'm going to do, I'm watching over it, and I have set the timer, and the timer is perfect. Hebrews 4.12, the word of the Lord is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing, dividing between soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Now the Lord says, I'm resharpening your sword so that it can cut off the heads of bigger giants. You've cut off the heads of baby giants and middle-aged giants. Now you're cutting the head off of the father giants and the mother giants. I've never said this to anyone. It is really cool what I'm telling you right now. You're getting baptized in a new appreciation for the revelation rhema word of God. Isn't that a great word? Praise the Lord. Everybody say, I wish you told me that. Praise God. <laughs> Let me speak to the gentleman right there, sir. You're, you're, uh, no, right there in front. No, right there. Yeah. So we're looking at you right here, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, go ahead and stand up. Stand up if you would. Extend your hands over there, everybody. So, so Mark 4.20 says some, some people reap 30, some 60, some 100. And God says, I'm, I'm transposed, transforming you and, and translating you into the hundredfold year where what you sow comes back to you 100 times what you have put in the ground. Genesis 28, 12, Isaac put his seed in the ground and in the same year, he reaped 100 times what he had planted, Luke 6, 38, Pressed down, shaken together, and running over to shall men give unto you. And Proverbs 3.10, I'll cause the vats of wine and wheat to start overflowing over the top. And I will restore to you everything your family has lost for four generations. I will give it back to you as the spirit of restoration comes back into your family. Praise the Lord. So, and I'm going to do that periodically just because. Uh, let, me, let me speak to you right there. Yeah, stand up if you would. Stretch your hands out, everybody. One of the things about the, the, the way Jesus did things is he preached the word, but then he demonstrated. He always spoke to people personally. It's like he didn't speak to, to people like they were a herd or a crowd. He spoke to people personally. And of course, the best thing you can do for a person is give them the word of God. Praise the Lord. So I'm looking at a picture in my mind that just came into my mind. And these are spider webs. And you're like in a house and there's a lot of spider webs. And you're looking at it and saying, man, I can never get rid of all these spider webs. There's just too many of them. I mean, I don't, I mean, there's just so intricate and, and, and took so long to get them there. But the Lord says, open the window. My wind will come in and just blow the whole thing out of there. And God says, I'm going to run through your family like a wind. And I'm going to blow everything Satan has built in all the corners out of it. So that when you look into your family tree, you see the hand of God rushing through it. Isaiah 43, 18, remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. For behold, I will do a new thing, saith the Lord, and you will be aware of it. Even now it will spring forth. I will make rivers in the desert and a highway so that your family can walk through it into salvation and into deliverance. Philippians 3, 13 and 14. I put a prize in front of you. Forget what's behind Look at the prize. 
chase the prize. You're going to catch the prize for that is the purpose why you got saved. And God says, I'm doing Deuteronomy 30 verse six, heart surgery on you and your family and everybody so that everybody walks in the divine health of the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. That's a good word. So Malachi 4.2, if you go with me there, and we're going to spend a little time on this uh, here this evening, brothers, because uh, the third thing about being a man of God is you can't be a man of God if you're not well. A sick thing cannot heal a sick thing. If you're sick, you can't be a medicine. And it's our job to become a medicine for the people that we have contact with. We're supposed to be a hospital for people. We're supposed to be a place of deliverance, a home, a family, a delivering power. We're supposed to be people's divine appointments. We're supposed to be something that can minister to people, break chains over people, shatter burdens over people, heal people, restore people, minister joy to people, bring peace into homes, bring joy into people's lives. We're supposed to be those things. But we can't do them if we've never been healed of the damage that has been caused in our lives. Praise God. So I want you to open your heart because this is a very important thing, a healed life. There are many things that come into our life that if we don't get healed of those things, we will always be dysfunctional. And so the first one, and this is very serious, is bitterness. Bitterness is a very powerful thing that comes into a lot of men's lives. I've been doing this 50 years, and hardly ever does there a month pass by when I don't hear about another casualty of war of people who are no longer serving God. Some of them have served God for 20 or 30 years, but bitterness got inside of them. Bitterness is when you marinate in unforgiveness and you make an idol out of someone's betrayal of your life. Their abuse becomes your dwelling place. What they did becomes your meditation. What they said becomes your thought life. And you become the slave of the people you refuse to forgive. The Bible says in Hebrews that bitterness creeps in and spreads its roots deep. So you start being bitter at one person that you don't know very well. You let that bitterness marinate inside you by thinking about it. And then that bitterness turns on your wife. And then it turns on your children. Because you cannot control the power of a foreign presence that was never intended to dwell inside of you. So we're going to get rid of bitterness right now. Praise the Lord. When you think of this person in your life, who is it that makes your fist go like this? Who is it that makes you want to cuss? Who is it that makes you want to hit them, scream at them, shoot them, and possibly even kill them? Who is that? Who is the person that every time you're around them, you feel sick? It's like you're allergic to them. Like you get around them and you're allergic. You just, I, I just got to get away from this person. Have you ever been in that place where you hear that, uh, uh, the name of a person and they have the same name as that person you can't stand and you immediately don't like them just for having that name? Bitterness is a terrible thing. And it's something we cannot tolerate. But as men of God, we cannot carry diseases around because they will spread. If you want to be a man of God, you have to deal with offense in your life. Offenses are very wicked things. Some of us are offended before anything happens. We just are in a permanent state of being offended. And if you stay offended, you will be removed 
from the herd that God has put you in, which is the perfect strategy of a predator. He will separate you, and then you will be devoured by all the stuff that comes at you when you have no brothers around you to stand with you and pray with you and help you walk the life that you're supposed to walk. Praise God. Put your hand on your heart, and let's say this. Dear Jesus, I forgive everybody in my life that has brought bitterness to me. From the earliest memory, I forgive those people. Those that have damaged me and put sourness in my personality, in my language. Those that have made me angry, offended, and who I do not want to forgive. I choose to forgive them because my will belongs to you. I will live without bitterness every day of my life. The love of God will flow out of me and to other people. For I am a conduit of the love of God. I am a man. I have been chosen. I have been called. And I will serve God till the day I die. In Jesus' name. Secondly, my brothers, we have to get healed of our wounds. A wound that is not healed becomes infected. We cannot live wounded. We have to get our wounds and put them at the altar of God and say, God, here are my wounds and this is my pain. How many of you have ever had enough pain to make you lose your temper and hit something? Praise the Lord. We got about seven honest people. Amen. It's awesome. <laughs> but when you have a wound that's not dealt with, in the area where you're wounded, you are dangerous because once you start speaking out of your pain, you start causing pain. Pain is a very dangerous thing to let it live inside you. If you manage your pain with the Holy Spirit, it becomes medicine. Out of you actually flows healing medicine because you're able to say to that person, listen, I had that pain. I know what you're going through. I had that pain for 20 years. I had the pain for 10 years. And God took the pain out of me. Then pain managed by the Holy Spirit becomes and makes you a minister to other people. One of the greatest gifts you can have as a man of God is to be able to feel other people's pain. This is called compassion. And compassion is what gives you the ability to heal people. Think about the person sitting next to you right now. We have no idea what kind of pain they're in. A man was leading worship at a big, large church. Thousands and thousands of people. He led the worship service. He'd been leading for many years. He went home, got in a fight with his wife, and pulled out a shotgun and shot her and came back and led worship that night. The police came and got him from there. What makes a man take a shotgun and shoot his wife? Pain. What makes people commit suicide? Pain. What makes you stop talking to somebody? Never, ever again will you talk to them. Pain. What makes people leave church without ever telling the pastor they're leaving? after 10, 20, 30 years of friendship. Pain. You become a monster when you do not handle your pain. Praise the Lord. If you can deal with your pain, you won't go to jail. You won't go to prison. You won't receive the death penalty. You won't lose your job. You won't be poor. You won't be dangerous. If you lose your pain, you're going to be a good father. You're going to be a good child of God. You're going to be a great husband. But when you have pain, you get twisted on the inside. And then you start speaking words of pain. And what are words of pain? Satanic prophecies.
When you're in pain and anger, you say things to that person that Satan wants to say to them. You become Satan's voice to the people you love. We can't tolerate pain. I know your father treated you bad. I know you got rejected. I did too. I know your mother didn't love you. She loved your brother better or your sister better. I understand. I know you got kicked out of the house. We know. I know that you didn't have a father. He left you when you were young. I know the feeling. I know that all your life you went through a lot of things because you and your mother were unprotected. Things you wish you hadn't gone through. Pain. A man of God has got to get rid of his pain or else he's just going to go from one disaster to another. Let's put our hands on our heart. Say, dear Jesus, I reject all the pain that has ever entered my life. I turn my back on it. I will not be its slave or its servant. In Jesus' name, I am no longer rejected. I have been adopted. I am one of God's favorite children. I have a calling. I have an anointing from Almighty God. He loves me. He cares for me. And he's taking care of me. I let go of all the pain and send blessings to those that caused it. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Next, very important. We have to be healed of all trauma that came into our lives. As a man... We don't handle trauma well. Trauma is being sexually abused, for example. Many men have been sexually abused. Do you know that if you're sexually abused, that's just not going to go away by hiding it and not telling anybody? It's not going to leave you. It'll give you nightmares. You will have a release of sexual perversion in your mind because of becoming one through the the sexual act of being molested. You become one with that person and their demons connect to you. Their desires connect to you. Their impulses connect to you. And that you will be having impulses and desires that are not even from you. They're from a demonic person who took advantage of you when you were small and weak. And if we don't get healed of that, then we're not able to be free. There is a power in the name of Jesus that can sever the connection between you and those people. And we're going to do that right now. Put your hands on your heart. I'm not going to have you identify yourselves. We're just going to pray. Here's my prayer over you. I sever the connection between those of you that were molested and the person that did that to you. I sever it in the name of Jesus. You are no longer one with that person. Your soul is not one. Your spirit and conscience is not one. Your uh, mind is not one. The demons that visit you in your dreams are leaving your dreams, and you're going to have a clean dream life. No more perversion and sexual fantasies. I break the authority of Satan over your life, And we now pray for the healing of the damage of that trauma that came into your life. We pray for you to be healed of all trauma of having a parent leave you. Any trauma of someone betraying you as brothers and sisters, someone running off with your wife or someone running off uh, with your sisters or damaging your sisters or your brothers, anything that traumatized you, We call on the name of Jesus tonight. We call on the power of the authority of Jesus tonight that he will come down on you right now and that he will deliver you right now and he will heal you right now and that you will not be a traumatized, bound up, chained up, in prison man, but that you will be somebody who's not afraid to connect with your church to become an active part in nurturing and sowing and giving into your church of your time, your life, your gifts, and your ability. In the name of Jesus, be healed of that right now, mighty men of God. Praise the Lord. Look around at two or three men and say, you are a mighty man of God. 
Say that to the person behind you. Say, you are a mighty man of God. Shake their hand. Look at them and shake their hand and say, I have something to tell you. So you're going to lose 25 pounds at this service right here. It's just going to fly off your body. Your cheeks are going to sink in. Then, ladies and uh, brothers, we need to get healed of verbal abuse. You, we carry words. We carry them inside. We carry them in our minds. I can still remember all the verbal abuse that took place in my life growing up. I can still remember it clearly. I remember the first time I met my uh, stepfather. Uh, my father had left. My mother got remarried. I came to the a new house. I had been living with my grandmother up till about the age of nine. And then my, one day they told me, you're moving to, with your mom and her new husband. And uh, it was a Saturday and I came, and they dropped me off. My grandmother dropped me off and I just went in the house and there was this man, this big man, huge. And um, so he grabbed me by the hair. First time I ever saw him, grabbing by the hair, and then with his knuckles, he just started hitting me on top of the head over and over and over. And he kept ca calling me the B word, which is the first time I ever heard that word. You know when you don't have a father? He just kept saying it over and over every time he hit me. And then he said cuss words that I never ever heard before. I'd never been hit. I'd never even been spanked. Because I had a grandmother that was like a mafia don. I mean, if you, if you disobeyed her, she'd just knock people out with tortilla rollers and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I just didn't disobey. Now, I'm not saying this for you to feel sorry for me, but what I'm saying to you is this is a serious deal, verbal abuse. You can't go past the words you believe about yourself. You can't grow past the things you are persuaded you are. You cannot become more than what you're convinced you are. And if you have words in your head that are lies from Satan, words that God did not say to you, words that a man or a woman with demons in their body spoke to you like a prophecy and they are living on the inside of you right now and all you have is anger and rage and you've cussed these people out so many times in your head, you've cursed them out so many times in your head for saying that to you, and especially if it comes from somebody that was supposed to love you like your dad or your mom or a brother or a sister, and maybe even to this day still, they still say those things about you. They've labeled you. They put you in a box. This is a very serious deal, and we've got to get healed of the lies that Satan has spoken and said about us. What if it's your wife? that is verbally abusing you. Right now. And you're never going to tell on her, but what if it's your wife that is verbally abusing you because she is so hurt and hopeless because of her relationship with you? It's not a, an excuse, but it is the reason. See, we can't go and be men of God if we're believing these things. Why do men not volunteer more? Why do men not connect more? Why are men so timid and stay so far away from getting really personally involved? Why do they sit on the peripherals and are casual followers or distant observers? Because words keep them back. They've heard them so many times from people they trusted. Those words stayed on me for so long. He said, your father didn't want you, and I don't want you. You are a piece of ah, the S word all the time. Tell your mother and I'll kill you. The only thing I can say is thank you, Jesus, I didn't get molested. Thank you, God. Because what could I have done? He was 250 pounds. I'm a nine-year-old. Words make you what they are. 
if you believe them. Your dad should have never spoken to you like that. Your mother should never have spoken to you that way. And your wife should never speak to you that way. We do not need to hide. We need to let the Holy Spirit deliver us. It's not a secret what those lies are. You know what those lies are. You have them in your head. That's why some of you won't go past a certain point in your spiritual growth because the words are so true to you. You're a failure. You're a son of a this. You're a worthless this. You're a loser. You're not this. You're that. You're this. You're that. And those words are right there like prophecies of Satan just holding you back. Why don't we break through tonight, tear them to pieces, rip them up, and get rid of it. And why don't we prophesy to one another what God thinks about us and what God says about us and what God believes about us. And why don't we just jump on that thing and wipe it out and destroy it forever and ever and ever and hear the words of God that you are a mighty man of God, that you can get on your knees and see God and pray and search God for his face and for his will. And you can run after God and you can become a powerful man of God in your own house and you can take the authority in your home and drive the devil out of your home and drive the devil off of your children because once your children come of age they have free will more than ever before and you're not responsible they could do all kinds of crazy stuff and all you have is the words that you have sown into them which will come back to haunt you if they are not the words that God told you to speak So, let's do it. Let's break the curses that have been placed on our lives to hold us back from becoming the mighty men that God wants us to be. Praise the Lord. Put your hands on your heart. Dear Jesus in heaven, I renounce every word that has ever cursed me, damaged me, limited me, and held me back. I renounce every cuss word, curse word, every identity cursing word, every identity damaging word, everything that defined me that came out of the mouth of Satan. I renounce those words. I am not that man. I will not become that man. I will not stay that man. I am a mighty man. I am a powerful man. I am an anointed man of God. I am full of faith, love, and joy. I am a soldier in the army of God. I am not timid and afraid. I am a warrior. I will kill my giants, possess my promised land. Every place where the soles of my feet shall trod, shall become mine. I will not hand over my inheritance to a bunch of lies that Satan has created to make me poor. In the name of Jesus, from now on, I will resist every word that comes out of the mouth of Satan through any person it comes from. Now I bless those that have cursed me and I send them the blessing of the Lord. Save them, heal them, and deliver them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Look at somebody and say, hey, you look like a man of God right now. Yeah, you look like a warrior. Brothers, we are here tonight for God to touch us. That's really why we're here. We need God to touch us. We need men to rise up. We really need about a thousand men here. Just level one. We need about a thousand men to rise up. Then 2,000. Then 3,000. Why should it ever end? Then your sons and your daughters, raising them all up to be mighty, powerful warriors of God. 
but the, the healing must happen. I'll give you one last thing, though there are many, 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 but I just want to give you one last thing. And that is a very important thing. And that is rejection. Rejection is the center and the core of all diseases. A rejected man or woman will create in their body chemically diseases. A rejected person will create in the spirit an impossible barrier that they can never cross. They are afraid that once people know them, they will reject them because that is their history. But you must not know your father if you think that way. You must not know that it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You must not know that God loves you unconditionally just the way you are. And even if you never changed, even if you never change anything, he loves you perfect. He's not going to love you more when you change. It's like, okay, I'm going to change. God's going to love me more. No, he can use you more, but he's not going to love you more. You're as loved now as you ever will be. As a matter of fact, you were loved like that before you were even saved. That was a big revelation for me. God told me at 17, you're my favorite. I said, all right, I hope the other brothers and sisters don't get upset about it, but you know, I'll take that. God knows how to get something through to you. My mother, the nicest person I've ever known and the most loving person would go to all my sports events, all of them, since I was a little kid, eight years old. And afterwards, we'd go together to a dairy mart or dairy something, get a vanilla shake and hamburgers and fries. And she'd hold my hand and tell me how amazing I was. While all that other stuff was going on on the other side, Satan was attacking me from every angle. There was my little mother with her little tiny hand holding my hand and telling me, you're my favorite, but don't tell your brothers and sisters. I have nine of them. So what does God tell me when I get saved? You're my favorite. Do you know that I actually believe that? I'm sorry. What can I say? <laughs> because we all are God's favorite. That's how big God is. You're literally individually God's favorite. You're not something that God casually can set aside like everybody else has. He cannot casually watch you fail. He cannot casually watch you uh, feel sorry for yourself and believe that you can never be anything great. He can't casually do that. Just like you, if you've ever loved a child, a child, if you've had a child and loved them or a grandchild, you can't just say, oh no, this one I don't care for. I like this one over here. God's not like that. There's no rejection in God. So God, in order for you and I to become men of God, we have to be corrected continually. And we have to let God correct us and fix us. Proverbs 12.1, only a stupid man refuses to be corrected. Praise the Lord. We have to be corrected by the Holy Spirit all the time. And if we let him correct us, then he can fix us. Praise God. Correction is not rejection. Correction is an act of love in order to prevent further pain in the future. Praise God. Look at somebody next to you right now and say, I know you could spare about 50. You look like you're carrying around 50. Let me go a little faster now. Psalm 24, 4. And in Malachi 4, 2, it says, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. Psalm 24, 4. You can see it up there. And that is that men of God are not perverted. A man of God is not addicted to pornography. If you look this up on your own and do the research, 72% of Christian men are addicted to pornography. 72. 
44% of women. So you have a lot of perversion in the home just through TV. You know who you are. We don't need to point you out. You know if it's true or not, but just understand that you're letting your destiny be stolen from you. Not to mention the guilt and shame you must have to deal with all the time for not managing your time the way God wants you to. But a clean heart is God's number one gift to a man of God. It's the ability to have a heart that is clean towards women. It is not a sin to think something. It is only a sin to meditate on something. God must deliver us to be pure so that he can trust us. And that's an important area, purity. I lost a pastor friend of mine here about five years ago, and God blinded me for many years. And he had been a pastor for 27 years. Uh, but it turns out that he had about four women in the church that he was having affairs with for years. And he had an eight-year-old child with one of them. And they were right there in the church. And the husband didn't know anything about it. Don't underestimate the power of your sexual desire because it could cost you your future. Now, these kinds of things come in different ways. One, you can inherit that in your DNA. You literally are born with the DNA that is damaged sexually from your fathers, mothers, uncles, aunts, grandfathers, grandparents, whoever it may be. You could be damaged. And that could be something in your DNA, a tendency. Or you could pick it up from all the technology you now have that freely gives you that all the time. I did a purity conference and I had several of the people come up that were over 70 years old. Any candy you like that is Satan's candy, you got to pay taxes. And those taxes are coming out of your soul. Your soul will pay those taxes for buying that candy. And if you buy pornography, brothers, you are actually tithing to Satan. And why would you want to tithe to Satan? Because you are giving the demons permission to enter your home and attack your innocent children while they sleep in their dreams. So this is not just a little pleasure thing you do on the side. This is the literal removal of the guardian of the house, paying the demons to come in and devour your children. Let's not do that, brothers. And I'm doing this as loving as I can. I do not mean any condemnation, and I know you, don't, you know that. But this is a plague. It's a plague. It's a plague in the body of Christ and nobody wants to talk about it. So why don't we talk about it and repent? You don't have to identify yourself. Why don't we just repent of whatever it is and say, God, fill me with the might and burning fire of the Holy Ghost and they go, then go home and cleanse whatever the, the funnel is of those things coming into your life. And forgive yourself. Are you ready? Let's do it all together. Say, dear God, I repent for perversion of any kind. Wherever I picked it up, wherever it comes from, I renounce and I denounce all of it tonight in the name of Jesus. I turn my back on it and will not live in it or walk in it. I will cleanse my home, my family, my mind, and everything about it in Jesus' name. I will be free. I will live clean, and God will be able to trust me. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Rain down upon me now in Jesus' name. Amen. Now look at somebody and say, wow, you really look clean. You really look clean. 
Psalm 1, verses 2 and 3, a man of God is a word man. He has a word life. He has deep roots in the word of God. He dwells inside the word of God. He lives inside the word of God. He is memorizing the word. He is meditating on the word. He is sharing the word of God with people all over town. He is talking about Jesus to people. He is never ashamed of Jesus. He loves Jesus so much because remember, how do you know you love something? You love something because you can't stop talking about it. You love something because when you sacrifice for that something, it doesn't feel like a sacrifice. I have grandchildren. If you put one here and a lion was coming down to eat them, I would jump in front of that grandchild and run at that lion and let him eat me while my grandchild went because it's not a sacrifice when you love something to sacrifice. Praise God. Loving Jesus is the secret of Christianity. If you love him like men of God are supposed to, then the Bible is unlocked, its secrets come forth, and then you enter into the fullness that God wants you to have. Please be honest with yourself tonight and say, what is my relationship to the Word of God? Because if you're going to be strong and powerful in the might of God, in the wisdom of God, in the revelation of God, in the confidence of God, in the authority of God, you have to have the Word of God on the inside. It's got to be the center of your life. It's got to be the source that stabilizes your emotions. It stabilizes your thought life. It separates the ideas of Satan from the ideas of God. It silences the voices of Satan and amplifies the voice of God. The Word of God does that. We must be men of the word. We must be known for knowing the word. We must be scholars of the word. We must not let poverty come into our life through ignorance. Ignorance is what makes us food for predators. Wherever you're defeated, study the word and you will become victorious. Wherever you're afraid, study the word and you will become bold and confident. Wherever you have been a failure, study the word and you will become a success. Praise the Lord. Look at seven people around you and say, how about $10? Anything to help me out. Psalm 139, 23 and 24. This is very powerful. You can read it right up there. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties are my ways and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Another thing, men of God take responsibility for their actions and do not blame other people. That's how you know you got a man of God. He says, no, I did that. You hit my car? Yeah, I hit your car. Well, did you leave a note? Yeah, I left a note. It was right in the back seat. Why'd you put it in the back seat? I, the other doors were closed. I just, that's the first one. I just, what does it say? It says, here's my number. Call me. I'll pay for it. I did that. Praise the Lord. Wouldn't it be refreshing if, if everybody was honest and just started telling the truth? Like you said, to, would say to your wife, because this is a real funny thing. Um, hey, did you, uh, did you go to the, to the restroom and, and forget to flush the toilet? No, no, I didn't do that. Well, but there's nobody else in the house. I don't know who did that. Somebody must have crept in through a window and gone over there, gone to the restroom, and just left everything floating around. But I would never do that, sweetie. You know I would never do that. Wow, somebody's having gas in the car. Who is that? I don't know, man. God, it's bad. Dear God, it's horrible. There's only two people in the car. You get a job when you're responsible to be honest about what you've done. God promotes honest people, honest men. He will give you his power, his authority, and his promotions. And that is something we all need. Praise the Lord. It's a hard thing to achieve as a man, but it is a very powerful gift. Praise the Lord. Look at the gentleman next to you and say, you are a responsible person. 
so pay me that money right now. I'm telling you, how, how, how much longer am I supposed to wait? Mark 1.35, Jesus got up a great while before morning and went out to pray. If we do not pray as men of God and know how to pray and connect to the power praying spirit, and we don't find that place as a man of prayer with God where we're talking to him in the Holy Ghost all the time and praying in the spirit, we're never going to be able to achieve anything. Put on that music, that music uh, stuff, slow music. So it's very, very important to do that. And you know if you're praying or not, but don't expect power or breakthroughs without prayer. Prayer opens all the doors that you cannot open. And it shuts all the doors you cannot close. It's a very powerful thing. We have as well, very powerful, Psalm 92, 10 and 12, is that a, a, a godly man lives a planted life. You shall be planted in the house of the Lord and you shall flourish like the palm tree. Stay in church. Stay in church. Do not let the devil kick you out of church. Don't let him offend you out of church. Don't let him distract you out of church. Don't let him um, give you things to do to get you out of church. Stay in church. It is a very powerful thing. Matthew 18, 16, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The safest place to be is church. Praise God. Be close to church. Be deep in church. Let your roots grow deeply in church. Let, make sure that Pastor Mark knows your name. <coughs> make sure that he knows who you are, what you do. Offer to help in whatever ways that you can. Be, a, be an aid. Be a helper. Go to heaven and say, you know what? When the Lord looks at you, he says, you really helped your pastor. You really blessed that community. You know, you obeyed me when I told, told you to pay off that whole thing. You bought that house for that widow. No one ever knew about it. You gave away 200 cars in your lifetime to single mothers. You rescued a thousand orphans in your lifetime and fed them, made sure they got an education. You bought refrigerators and you bought stoves for elderly widows. You made sure they had their medication and they had air conditioning in the summer and heat in the winter. You mowed people's lawns. You hired people to repair homes. You did what I told you to do. You adopted children. You were a man of God. You never hurt anybody who hurt you. You never attacked anybody who attacked you. You never took revenge on anybody who took revenge on you. You never gossiped about people who slandered you. You stood in, on holy ground and became a man of God. Men of God are worshipers. They lead the way in their family of worship. You will find men of God on their face at home, praying by the bedside of their children. That's what men of God do. They don't just raise children. They pray over those children. They get them baptized in the Holy Spirit. They lay their hands on them while they're sleeping and drive the devils out. And when they go through rough times as adults, you'll find a man of God on his face, interceding for those children, praying for them. A man of God will pray for his brothers that have hurt him and abused him. A man of God will support his elderly parents who abused him all their lives. They'll pay their bills, buy them a house, and take care of them as unworthy as they are because that's what a man of God does. A man of God is a brother to other men. He visits those brothers when they're in need. He takes care of them. He says, I'll be your brother if nobody else will. Let's go have breakfast 
and let's talk over the things of God. Let's have a Bible study together. Let's just spend time talking about the will of God. Men of God love each other. They're faithful to their wives till the day they die. They don't cheat on their wives. A man of God doesn't do that. And that's what we want to be. Is that right? We want to be men of God. Praise the Lord. I want you to close your eyes as that's as far as I'm going on this part. But I want you to close your eyes and I want you to be honest with yourself about what you're feeling right now. Be honest with yourself about what you're feeling. What is the Lord talking to you about? What is he saying to you tonight?